Hello, and welcome to Books, the podcast, the only podcast about books. I'm Tim. I'm Tom. We're booksmen. Yeah. Tim, uh, I have some some drama going in, on in my home right now. I didn't... Oh, no. I didn't... There's a goddamn mouse in my goddamn house. There's a mouse in your house? Yeah. Oh, and I hate it. I hate it so much. I hate it. Uh, yeah, having a mouse uh, running around, yeah. stealing all your cheese. Well, the mouse is stealing my dog's food. That's what's attracting the mouse. <laughs> and my dog doesn't do a goddamn thing about it. And, and now- she knows you'll just fill her bowl up once again. I don't understand. She's got a bunch of squeak toys that are the same size and look like mice. They're squirrels, but has no interest in this mouse. And it's made me think that she must see this mouse like all the time (laughs) and just kind of assumes that we're like, oh, yeah, we have a mouse now. (laughs) And and, yeah, and and just doesn't react to the mouse at all. Now, granted, You know, I don't want her to go after the mouse. Like, I don't want her to catch the mouse. That would be horrible. I don't want her to catch the mouse and then have, like, her, like, rip a mouse apart in my home. Yeah, but then the mouse is out of your home. I mean, once you clean it up. No, I don't want that. What I want is her to make her presence known enough that the mouse doesn't feel comfortable being in here. That won't that won't work. I it's know. already been established. I know, and I've I've mouse traps, humane mouse traps, mind you, all over don't, the place. You don't need humane mouse traps. Those are more inhumane. No, no, this is uh, it's just like a little box they get trapped in, and then I can oh. let it out outside. Oh, okay, it's not the glue trap. No, the, nobody refers to those as humane mouse traps. Uh, some people do. Tom. <laughs> well, those people are out of their minds. They're the most inhumane mouse trap. I mean, think about how you would want to die. Would you rather be like electrocuted, have your neck snapped, or be glued to a piece of like wood <laughs> until, until you somebody die? D- worked up the courage to smash you. <laughs> yeah. Or if they couldn't, they just threw you out the window and then you just died from being stuck to something for too long. <laughs> That's how Walter Hudson died. <laughs> that, that is kind of the way how he died. I'll tell you what, that's not how I want to go. I don't want to go stuck to something for so long that I die. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, don't go licking, uh, flagpoles in the winter. I haven't been ever, ever since I learned. Um, but yeah, so. I want to try that. Does that really happen? Yeah, it really happens. But like, you got to be able to get out of it real easily. (laughs) No, you can't. It'll. Oh God. You're going to try it. I just don't understand. Yeah, I want to try it. What if, if your hand's wet and you touch it, would you freeze to it too? Yeah, I think you're... Is there something special about your tongue? In well, the... I think it's that your tongue's, like, really wet and also, like, also very... Was your hand was really wet. Also very sensitive and also, like, the skin on your tongue's different than the skin on your hands. It's a, it's a lot yeah. more delicate than the skin Science on your hands. Science doesn't know why. <laughs> Science does know why, Tim. But that's the same reason how, like, you know, you can touch a pizza... And it, and not get burned, but if you put it in your mouth, it can burn your mouth. All right. 
I love how that's that's all that's I just had to explain it that way and you're like, oh okay, now I completely understand. <laughs> Finally, you put it in terms I can wrap my head around. Yeah, put it in pizza language for old Timmy. So, um, have you seen this mouse? Yeah, I've seen the mouse. That's how I know it's around. I mean, you could hear it, you could see droppings, you could you know, there's yeah, a, there's luckily, a lot of ways to Luckily, no droppings. I don't think it, like, lives in our apartment. I think it, you know, the seas of gingers eating her food every night. (laughs) Um... But yeah, the the first time I saw it, I heard, like, something by her food bowl. Uh, I was like, that's weird. And I look over and see, like, a little shadow, like, run uh, behind the, the refrigerator. Um... But yeah. You get a cat. I don't want a cat. I, yeah, again, I don't want anything to rip this thing apart in my home. I want this thing to go in the little box, get trapped in there, and then I'll take it outside, screaming the whole time, <laughs> and let it out. It's just going to come right back in. I'll drive far away. I'll drive out to the country and let it out. Yeah, and then he can live out a nice life there. Yeah. In a barn. Um. But yeah, I don't. Do you remember like uh, when we were roommates, we had mice the one time and we got those uh, like uh, crazy like uh, like funhouse traps. Dude, I don't remember the funhouse traps. They were they were these like black boxes and it was like a snapping trap. But the idea was like it's all kind of contained in this box. So like it would go in the box to get the bait. And then the thing would like snap and kill it instantly, but it would just be like, you know, you wouldn't have to see it. It wouldn't be like a regular trap. And I remember we put these all over and we forgot about them. And then like weeks later, it's like something really smells bad in our apartment. And I was like, we looked everywhere and I was like, oh, I should check the traps. And as soon as I said it and looked over, I noticed that there was a tail hanging out of a trap. (laughs) There's Ugh. hundreds of mice in many of the traps. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it was, uh, it was horrible. I do remember I was sitting on the couch in the living room one day, and a mouse came out from under your door mm-hmm. and just kind of s- s- sat there and like looked at me, just stared at me. The door to your bedroom it came out of. Yeah. And then I was like, uh, you, know, you were out or something. And uh-huh. then the next time I saw you, it's like, you know, there's a mouse in your room, and you're like, yeah, I know. I woke up the other night, and I heard it eating underneath my bed. <laughs> it was like eating food. And I was like, well, you probably shouldn't keep food in your bedroom. And you were like, no, you idiot. It went to our kitchen, got the food, and brought it under my bed. Yeah, that's right. That was what you were trying to convince me of. <laughs> I think that was what happened. I don't, that's I didn't, not what happened. I, look, I didn't keep food under my bed, I'll tell you that much. Didn't you, though? I mean, some of it might have wound up under there. Uh, But yeah, I don't know. I I might have to get uh, crazier traps. I think I just need to get better bait, to be honest with you. What are you using as bait? I'm using Ginger's food as bait, because that seems like that's what the mouse wants. But there's other places for this guy to get that food. No, I'm taking the food up now at night so that, uh, you know, he, he can't get it from the normal places. So he's getting it out of Ginger's bowl or like the yeah. larger receptacle? No, no, like Ginger's bowl. In. Yeah. Ginger just doesn't eat her food when you feed her? 
Um, no, not necessarily right away. And like sometimes she'll eat like, you know, half the food or three quarters of the food, but not finish it. But, uh, you know, normally that's not a big deal. It's like, oh, I'll just leave it out. And like, cause sometimes, you know, she goes out for a midnight snack from time to time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, now can't not do anymore. that. Yeah. Sorry, pooch. Yeah. Sorry. Maybe you should, you know, be a bigger pain in this mouse's ass. So it's not, uh, not around. I just don't get it. Nothing lasts forever. It sure doesn't. Even mouse problems. No, I was talking about the book you read, Tom. Oh, right. Yeah. Just kidding. I was quoting the song November Rain. Nothing <laughs> lasts forever, even cold November rain. People people love that in the comments, Tim. I know. Um, do you remember what happened uh, the last time? Yeah, he started killing people. Yep, he sure did. And I'll tell you um, what, and he Tim. felt bad about it, and he was in the vent, and it seemed like uh, he thought he wasn't on the roof anymore, but he was on the roof, and yes. then uh, he sent uh, somebody down the elevator who was dead, a guy that he killed, right? He snapped his neck. Yes, yeah. And that's all I remember. Yeah, I mean, that's that's more or less. Uh, well, now, Tim, we are at the witching hour. It is 12.06 a.m., so, uh, he Party is, time, baby. Oh, uh, this is important that, uh, we're, when we ended last, uh, he was getting like a signal. Somebody got his, his SOS essentially and was oh, right. yeah. signaling him back 10 4. Mm hmm. So, this is, uh, have you ever said 10 4 to somebody, um, earnestly? I don't think I've ever even said it like, uh, joking. Jokingly, maybe I'll start though. I've started doing that on Slack. Ten, Ten four. four. Seems yeah. like it's harder to type out because you gotta go up to the number row. Yeah, you know my fingers are deft. <laughs> I don't know that, but thank you for that knowledge. Watch, you see. Whoa! Look, I'm putting them up oh, to the camera oh, right Tim's, now. Tim's <laughs> wiggling all his fingers at me. I can't believe yeah. it. They're all moving different ways. I didn't even know that was possible. I just. I just typed ten four so quickly. Wow! You didn't even notice me do it. No, I heard you do it though. So you, <laughs> I, I know you actually did do it. Now, does everybody understand when you say ten four on your work Slack, or are they uh, like, huh? Yeah, no, not really. <laughs> I mean, I'm mostly ignored. <laughs> that makes sense. That checks <laughs> out. Um, so it is, it is six minutes after midnight on the West coast, uh, in nothing lasts forever. Uh, Joe Leland has decided he has, uh, uh, checked in his wallet and he has his badge, his old badge still in his wallet. In an old condom, probably. Probably. Yeah. This is 1979. I'm sure he's got some old, uh, rubber in there. Um, no, they didn't use condoms back then. That's true. Yeah. He's, um, Sorry, you were he's saying? he's got one from World War Two in there. He's like, I don't need this anymore. Chucked it um, out. They don't make you hand in your badge when you retire. That's what I thought was the only thing I knew about being a cop. That of yeah. course, when they ask for your gun and badge, that means that you're fired. Uh, that you no longer have a job. So I assumed if you leave on your own accord, 
you also have to hand in your badge and gun. Yeah, but like I, in a in a nicer way. They're not like right. oh, give me your yeah. Like, it's no, not like at the end us. of your retirement party and they give you a gold watch. They go now hand in your badge and gun. Yeah. and get out no, of here. Just like oh, you know, at some point, just make sure you 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 return all the stuff to Gale in HR. Right. And that includes your badge and gun, but you know mm-hmm. we don't like to say that because of the stigma around it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you did nothing wrong. You've been a model, <laughs> a model public servant this whole time. But, uh, but well, apparently in the seventies they let you keep your badge. Um, I mean, it also seemed like he was like a very well respected and well liked cop. So maybe that was the case. Uh, but. He thinks like I should put my badge on, and like it's kind of like a like a crazy thought to him. Like I'll put my badge on, and look, I'm a cop again. Uh, but then he thinks about it. He's like, oh, I should put my badge on, so if the actual cops come in here, they don't shoot me right away. Hmm. Uh, so he's like, okay, I'm gonna put my badge on. Um, and then he sees downstairs a lone cop car roll up, uh, a black and white car, and he's like, all right, this is my chance to move. He goes downstairs to the 32nd floor and he sees um, that a bunch of the uh, uh, bulbs have been removed, the fluorescent light bulbs. And he's like, ah, that's they're up to something like they're, you know, they're going to try and uh, keep me in the dark or something. And then he goes, uh, do you think they're just there to steal like copper wiring and stuff? (laughs) No, they're trying to get into the safe. Yeah. Did we know that already? Has that been established? Yeah. Did you just know that from the film Die Hard? No, no, no. That was established. At, that was when he killed the woman. She was trying oh. to get into the safe. Right. I forgot that he killed a woman. Um. Well, he didn't. Uh, but he's like, that's where the, all the, gla- mm. the light bulbs are removed. Uh, the You know, they're probably planning something for me. And then he goes in, out of the stairwell into the floor and immediately steps in broken glass. Now, remember, he's got no shoes on. Because he was washing his feet to wake up. Right. And A truly insane thing. And they found his shoes, so they knew he had no shoes. Mm. So they did this on purpose. Um, So it's... uh, Just some Home Alone stuff. Hey, who's the leader of the terrorists? Kevin McAllister? Yeah. Excuse me. Kevin McAllister? (laughs) take Take that line again. Who's the leader of the, who's, hey, uh, <clears throat> hey, who's the lead terrorist here? Kevin McAllister from, of Home Alone fame? No, I told you, it's Lil Tony. Lil Tony. Hey, Lil Tony, but Lil Tony's German, so it's like, uh. Little Tony. Li- little Tony. I don't know, I can't, I can't say Little Tony with a German accent. Little Tony. No, that's more Russian. Little <laughs> Tony. That's just... Anyway, there will be more opportunities to do little German accents. Little Tony! <laughs> um, uh, uh, so he steps in the glass, and all of a sudden there's like a lady there. She shoots at him, misses. There's a firefight. A firefight breaks out. And he's like, "Oh man, these cops downstairs, they're seeing this, they're seeing this, and uh, you know, they're seeing shooting, and they're loving it." And he's like, "One thing about cops, uh, they don't like if shooting's happening and they're not involved in the shooting. <laughs> they will want to jump in on it. And look, he's a cop. And he's like, if cops see shooting, they want to be involved in it. Um, 
And then he thinks about uh, uh, Sergeant York for some reason. The only reason I know Sergeant York is okay. the Wayne's World joke um, where um, Sergeant says, York, Dick Sergeant, Dick York, Dick Sergeant, Sergeant, Sergeant York. York. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I don't know what Sergeant York is or who he is. It's a movie, apparently. Oh. And he's like, so now uh, Joe is like behind a bunch of desks and uh, this guy's, you know, at like the the stairwell uh, firing at him. And he yells to the guy, oh, well, he thinks about uh, Sergeant York and then he's like, oh, I'm also thinking about that because the old man downstairs, the security guard, he reminded me of Sergeant York. And then he's like, oh, God, what did they do to that guy? Like probably something awful and killed him. So he asked the guy, like, hey, you know, uh, you remember Sergeant York? And I guess there's, like, something in that movie or TV show or whatever. Wait, like, who's he asking? The the terrorists. Oh. He, Wait, but he, aren't they trying to shoot each other? Yeah, but he's cracking wise. That's his thing. Oh. And, uh, is there is there a lull in the shooting? Yeah, a little bit of a lull, a little bit of a stalemate. Like, they're both mm. in cover. And uh, he's like... Uh, Hey, you remember uh, you ever see Sergeant York? And he's like, yeah, I've seen it. Like, I know about the bird call. You're not going to trick me because I think he says, like, look behind you. Look at the exit sign. And then he says, um, uh, no, look again, dummy, (laughs) which again reminded me of uh, Home Alone. Yeah. And he looks and realizes that there's a plastic explosive explosive. uh, wrapped around the uh, the emer- the emergency exit sign. This guy's like, "Oh no 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 no! Don't shoot it!" So he doesn't. Instead, he just shoots the man, and he shoots him so many times that he falls through the window. Huh. Which is also good because he knows there's a cop outside. Well, I guess the cops have already heard firefighting, but you know now they're a uh, firefight. But now they're going to also see a man, a bullet riddled man, fall out of the. 32nd floor window and land on uh, the pavement outside. So then they're going to be like, all right, no, something bad is happening in here. That's the second person that's been thrown off the, out of the building, right? Yeah. But this is the first one to be shot out. Right. Um, So he's taking care of that guy and he's like, all right, I, I need to take care of my goddamn feet because I stepped in glass. His one foot, He's got like a, he says it's three, uh, an inch and a half deep, inch and a half long cut on his foot, three eighths of an inch deep. Uh, and when he's looking at it, th- this is the line that made me queasy. He said it had been a long time since he had seen his own meat like this. So meat. <laughs> yeah. It was like that deep. Maybe of a- if he was referring to his wiener. Well, no, because it was like that deep of a cut that he was like looking at like his meat, like his muscle. It wasn't just his skin. It had cut into the muscle. Um, I I would uh, never wash my feet in a public bathroom. This wasn't a public bathroom. It was a private bathroom in an office, like an executive office. Oh, it wasn't like a shared Mm -mm. hallway. Okay. So you would Does, then. Those bathrooms have like a shower or a bathtub in them. Uh, some have showers. I think a bathtub in an executive bathroom is rare. Yeah, I would love to take a bath at work. Uh, my old job, one of our offices had a shower, 
And I forget why, but there was an instance where like I had to shower and it was like the I felt so uncomfortable. It was like the most uncomfortable I ever felt at the office. Keep in mind, I mean, it's the same bathroom where like people, you know, go in there to pee and poop. So first off, it's like, you know, all right, people are coming in to like pee while I'm showering in here. And then also like I'm going to like go I'm naked in my office and now I'm going to like dry off and go back to work, uh, you know, still like kind of wet. It just felt very strange. I didn't like it. Yeah. A previous office um, I worked in was just like a walk up in Soho. That Mm -hmm. was like, it was a residence at one point. Yeah, that's what this Um, was too. Yeah. And there was just one bathroom that was just like a residential bathroom. So it did have a a, a bathtub and a shower. Mm Mm-hmm. And I remember it was like early days or only like a few employees, like early days of a company, only a mm. few employees. Everybody like was just hired. Right. Um, so you all took showers guy, together. No, this one guy I think was trying to set a precedent. <laughs> it was like at lunch, he went out and like went for a run. Right. And then came back and showered. Mm-hmm. Everyone was mad at him because like there were still like 10 people in the office. So like nobody could pee. And he took a pretty long <laughs> shower it was just like, and then he got out of the shower at work, and it was just like, come on, man, this sucks. <laughs> yeah. Well, especially taking a long one. Like, I took, I forget why I had to take a shower, but it was Did you some... poop your pants? <laughs> I, was it not... that time you pooped your pants at work? No. No, because I wouldn't have taken a shower. That would have caught, that would have brought too much attention to me. Mm-hmm. But it was something where, like, I had to take a shower. I I, I I had gotten all... Did you get sprayed by a skunk? <laughs> no, I think it was like something where I did just get like very sweaty and I had like somewhere else to be. Something mm. like that. But I remember distinctly being like, I am going to take as quick of a shower as possible because this is absurd. And it wasn't the only bathroom, but still. Anyway... um. He, uh, he, he, uh, last time we talked, he had, uh, had he established radio contact with a cop yet? No, that happens now. Sure. Yeah. No, because um, I mean, the only thing that happened last time is that he got the 10 good buddy. From right. So now he's talking to a cop, uh, downstairs and the cops like, okay, where'd he uh, get a radio? He, he stole it from one of the guys, one of the guys he killed, the first guy he killed, mm, okay. uh, the guy's necky snap. So now he's like talking to the cop who's outside and, um, uh, you know, they, obviously they know like stuff's up now. And the guy's like, all right, uh, like throw the detonators down to us uh, for the bombs. And he's like, no, I can't do that because if I throw the detonators down, then I've got like no leverage anymore. And, ascend, and and he's thinking like then they're just gonna kill the hostages uh, because they're not gonna be able to get the detonators back. But he also has to be like real careful what he's saying over the radio because he knows the bad guys can hear him too. So mm-hmm. like he doesn't want to give any information about himself to this cop. Like he he won't tell him his name because like he doesn't want the bad guys to know a that he's a former NYPD uh, detective who's also had like all this FBI counterterrorism training and stuff. But most importantly, that his uh, daughter is one of their hostages because mm-hmm. obviously they would use that against him. 
Um, and he's thinking about all this stuff. He's like trying to figure out what exactly they're doing. And then he realizes like, oh shit, the, uh, like air marshal on the plane might've been on the plane because they, they knew like this terrorist group had something planned for LA. Um, so he's like kind of starting to put this all together. What does that mean? Why would that be a thing? That like there was like heightened alert due to this terrorist group saying like that there was intelligence, like they're going to strike L.A. around Christmas and that like let's put air marshals on flights going into L.A. in case they were trying to hijack a plane or something like okay. that. Um, But he decides he's like, all right. I need to do something here because um, he hears like the elevator and they're like shooting up through the elevator at him. Um, so he comes up with a genius plan and his genius plan is wrapping plastic explosives around a detonator, putting it on an office chair and then pushing that office chair down the elevator shaft. Uh, it explodes in a tremendous fashion, blows out apparently two floors of the building. We find out later that by doing this, like the building is going to be condemned. Like he has caused structural damage to the building due to the due to him throwing a bomb down the elevator shaft. I mean that 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 tracks. Yeah, um, but this leads later to like. The LAPD, uh, not the guy he's talking to, but like that guy's bosses, like being very mad at him, uh, and basically not. Does seeing... he keep going? Like, are you mad at me though? <laughs> um, I'm trying to get out of here. I'm trying to save all the hostages, but I'm. I, I don't want you mad? to be mad at me. Um. Uh. Next chapter, one forty-three a.m. And he's thinking about all the intelligence he got about uh, Gruber. AKA little Tony um, and Gruber little Tony little Tony Gruber is, is basically uh, can I give like a spoiler alert for the end of this book um, did you read to the end no but I realize I know something how do you know it if because you, you if you Die want Hard? to avoid spoilers for this skip ahead like I don't know 30 seconds a minute should I take off my headphones? No, I want to tell it to you. Oh, okay. Uh, I believe the building collapses at the end of this, and that was like a nine eleven, like in a nine eleven esque way. And, okay, and that this was one of the things that was pointed to of like, remember, like uh, they like didn't show certain they didn't show the episode of The Simpsons with. With that, I think this book got pulled off the shelves for a little bit oh. because it ends similar to Nyla. I, I don't remember that for sure. I might be wrong. Um, but anyway, if you're tuning back in, the spoiler's over. Um, Wait, if they, no, well, they wouldn't have taken out their headphones and waited <laughs> it out. I was thinking we should yell real loud so people would know that um, they had to put their headphones back on. I don't think it's even a huge spoiler because. Uh, what I described, I won't say it again. I don't know how it affects the story. Right. Okay. Um, but anyway, um, I re- in uh, 143 AM, the, the new chapter, uh, he's describing what he learned about Gruber. And essentially, Gruber is like a the very- The Apple blogger? 
No, not John Gruber. Uh, 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 Anthony Gruber. In the movie, it's Hans Gruber, but here it's Anthony Gruber. Um, and basically, it's he's like pretty similar to Osama bin Laden, where he is the the rich son of like you know a billionaire who has decided like I'm gonna like eschew my family's wealth and instead become you know a radical terrorist fighting for change or whatever um and then he also uh thinks about how uh um uh gruber's uh father was an actual nazi during world war ii so Hmm. basically he's like no your 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 father's bad for like reasons you don't see (laughs) in that he was a nazi it's not that he's like rich that makes him bad it's him being a nazi anyway um uh I think they they tell Joe at this point like yeah this building's going to have to be torn down after you did that and that it blew a hole through a billboard like a block away and like an office chair went careening through a billboard um there and there's just like shit all over the place like things went like there are two floors of this building that now have nothing in them because everything got blown out of the windows um, so he's talking to, uh, I think the guy's name is Hollenbeck. Uh, the, the guy he's talking to the cop. Yeah. I know his name's Al. We, we learned later uh, his name's you Al. You know what? I know that he's, he ain't no Hollenbeck girl. No. Do you want to know who plays this role in Die Hard or do you want it to oh, be a I surprise? I know who plays this role in <laughs> yeah. Die Hard. Reginald Vell Johnson, uh, plays the cop. But anyway, uh, uh, you know what? I'd like to meet. I can't wait till this COVID thing is over because I'd really like to meet Reginald <laughs> Johnson. I don't think that's the only thing holding you back. I mean, like, no, you know, how, like this whole thing has has uh, has you know, uh, for people that don't know, it's Carl Winslow on uh, the, the TV show Family Matters, the foil to to, uh, to, to Steve Urkel, mm-hmm. um, but. You know, like, when all this is over, we got the vaccines, and there's herd immunity, and there's no yeah. more community spread. I really feel like people are going to be like, well, there's a lot of things that, you know, um, you know, I wanted to do, but, you know, I, I, I got bogged down with other stuff. There's, you know, I didn't appreciate, you know, that, that we should really enjoy the time uh, that we that we have here doing things normally as we like them, mm-hmm. and like I should really go for it with, with some of the things that I that I hope to achieve and 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 experience in the world. Right. So I think you know once everything's back to normal, everybody's all back out doing their normal thing. That's when I'll you know meet <laughs> Reginald Bell Johnson somehow. I think he acts and plays in New York. Yeah, I, I think he, maybe he lives in New York, yeah. I think he might live in New York. Yeah. Well, anyway. So, like, I don't know. I think that's, that's, that's going to be, hey, your, sound your off goal? in the comments. What's, what's the big thing that you're going to do um, once the world's back to normal? That, uh, you know, that, that, that thing that you've been putting off, but now, no, now, now you realize something you should really get on. Mine so, is uh, meet Reginald Phil Johnson. So, um, 
uh, uh, Hollenbeck's like, uh, uh, the the captain's here. My captain, he he wants to talk to you. And the captain gets on the phone. And he's like, "Who are you? How'd you get here?" He, he's asking all these questions. And Joe Leland's like, uh, "Put the other guy back on." And then he's like, "What'd you say, fuckhead?" Like you know. And he's like, gets all mad at Joe. And Joe's like, "Put the other guy fucking back on the phone." Um, and, uh, what? <laughs> I'm just trying to figure out where Reginald Johnson lives. And I realized I just Googled <laughs> where does Reginald Bill Johnson. Jesus, you better hope nothing bad happens to him anytime yeah. soon, Tim. They're going to yeah. subpoena Google yeah. and find out that, uh, you were, you were snooping. Did you find an answer? Yeah, it says he lives in uh, Woodland Hills, California. Okay. Maybe he's got a place out here, too. I stayed in Woodland Hills for a few months. Um, you come, you came out and oh, hung okay. out that, with, that's with, where with that, the uh, band when we were out there. Uh, Oakwood Apartments? Yeah. Do you remember, were you there that day when we came back from, like, I don't know, doing something, and they were filming a porno in one of those Oakwood apartments? No, I heard about that. I think it was, like, right before I came there or something, or right after, and I was so disappointed we I didn't just... get to see a porno getting filmed. Well, we Mind didn't you, see not, it. Not, a, like, not the sex part of it, right? No, it was, like, 2 p.m. on, like, like a Wednesday afternoon. Mm-hmm. The, it was an apartment complex, it's a, it's 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 the Oakwood apartments are like a series a, a, a number they're of they're corporate apartment apartments. Com- yeah, and it's mostly for people like um, I stayed in them when I uh, one of the times I was uh, uh, traveling for Apple uh, when I was in Cupertino. I stayed in Oakwood apartments yeah. in, in the San Francisco area. Yeah, the ones in L.A. are really like you know people coming out for pilot season. Yeah, and like. So it's like, you know, the people who haven't broken into the industry, we parked our car in the parking lot and just heard for like 25 minutes, like we didn't go into our apartment because we just stood in the parking lot listening to this ridiculously, like I, like at first we were like, I think someone's having sex, we can hear them. And mm-hmm. then the noises that were like, this is very performative. This is, yeah. this is not. And, and then it there went on for maybe be like pauses, like very long where nothing happened, where somebody was giving notes. Uh, th- no, it was just, oh, wow. no, it's it was constant, like, it was, huh? yeah, it was, it was, it was, it was, and we just sat, cause like, they were doing as it, it ended, in a we, water. Yeah. Yeah. It was a freaking, uh, like, a like an or, old Orson or Welles yeah. movie, <laughs> one shot porno. Um, but yeah, we giggled in the parking lot and then went about our days. LA's wild, man. It's a hell it's, of a town. Yeah, it sounds like it. Yeah, but uh, I mean, I guess that's where Reginald—that's the life that Reginald Bill Johnson is, is living. <laughs> yeah. Um. So anyway, uh, you know, they put uh, uh, Beck back on the phone, and he's like, and Hollenbeck's like, "Look, man, you know, they they want to know." They want to verify you. And he's like, all right, I'll tell you what. Call up this guy. Like, you know, I was going to say Andy Gibb. <laughs> uh, From the Bee Gees or yeah. the Bee Gees brother? It, it's, it's not that, but it's something like that. And he's like, call him. Tell him what's happening and where. 
and my name will be the first two words out of his mouth. That basically he's like, call this guy, tell him, tell him th- this crazy situation and where it is. This guy's going to immediately know it's me. He, but he's like, I'm not going to tell you my name, but he'll tell you my name. And that will hopefully help verify. And then right. they're like, is there anybody else we can call? And he's like, you can call Kathy Logan. And that's the flight attendant that, you know, he smooched on the plane. He's got to get over this lady. Yeah, right? He's already, like, roping her into this. But at the same time, it's also like, hey, yeah, call the the woman I was flirting with earlier this evening to, to verify who I am. And then also in the, you know, in the meantime, if you let her know, I'm currently fighting a, a small army of terrorism by myself. That's a pretty nice brag to, to you know, throw out there. You know, I, I know it's been a while since you've been a single man, Tim, but if you uh, meet a woman, uh, have a quick smooch, get her phone number, and then later in that day, have the police call her to verify and tell them, well, he's currently being a tremendous hero right now. and We just need to verify. And he said, we should call you. You forget. That's how I met my wife. <laughs> I feel like this could almost be like a service you could you could have, uh, you know, just to, to give you clout with uh, with, uh, you know, potential uh, love interest that you meet. Have somebody call up and be like, we need to verify this person's identity because he's single-handedly taking down a terrorist cell as we speak. That'd be a weird service because, like, if that if that relationship did work out, like, eventually you'd have to come clean that <laughs> it's all based on. No, you could be like, look, I can't, I can't tell because it's classified. Tim, if you if you had any idea how many things I've told my girlfriend are classified. <laughs> Uh, Tom. Please don't give her any ideas. Don't don't contradict any of my stories. I I never do, Tom. Um, but he's so now he's talking with uh with Hollenbach again, and Hollenbach's like, uh, you know, like what's going on with the radio? Much like you asked, and he t- tells them, and he's like, yeah, you tune to these frequencies, you'll hear them. And he's like, do you talk to them? He's like, yeah, I, I talk to Gruber. He's like, why would you talk to him? And, and this is the quote. He juices my fruit, I juice his. Nah, he loves that phrase. Well, no, he just heard it, uh, you know, from the cab driver. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he learned it. And but he learned it, and now he's using it for himself. And now, yeah. and now me and you are going to use it for ourselves in everyday conversation. I already have been, Tom. You haven't noticed because you've probably incorporated it so much into your life. It just well, hopefully, I haven't juiced your fruit, uh, and you wouldn't have to ask me. Hey, are you juicing my fruit? Right. Um, I don't really understand what juicing your fruit means. It's just like hassling somebody. Okay. You know, he he hassles me. I hassle him back. You know, and that's kind of what what happens on the radio with him and Gruber. Like, you know, they they are smart Alex to each other. Right. Um, well, but now Gruber is on the radio and he's like, Hey Joe, uh, I got a guy named, uh, Ellis here. Um, you know, he's, he's one of the executives. Um, he wants to know where the detonators are. And if you don't tell him, we're going to kill him. And, uh, he's like, well, I can't. And then Ellis gets on. He's like, Joe, 
they're going to kill me. Tell them where the detonators are. And he's like, I can't tell them where the detonators are because then they're going to kill me. And then they're going to have the detonators and God knows what they actually have planned here. You know, they're going to blow the whole building up. They're going to kill everybody. And he's like, Joe, you have to, you have to tell them. Um, and then Gruber gets back on the phone. He's like, you heard it. Like, we're going to kill him. Uh, you have to tell us. And he thinks to himself, goodbye, Alice. And then he says, I don't believe you. And immediately hears a gunshot. And he's like, oh, like, I just did that. Like, I knew that was going to happen. I did believe him. But at the same time, it's like, well, what am I going to do? I'm not going to give up the detonators because then everybody's fucked right i'd be um, really mad if i was the hostage the hot well, tim i have bad news i don't think the hostage lived <laughs> he, he oh he died from the gunshot <laughs> yeah yeah the the gunshot oh, no. directly to his heart presumably because that's how uh-huh. the last guy was killed um and then so now you know gruber's like well you heard that ellis is dead uh all right like bring another person over now we're gonna kill a woman uh, so of course he's like, oh fuck, probably my daughter because there's there, you know, it sounds like this was a real sausage party. This, the, the party they were having. So he's like, my daughter's one of the few women up there. So he's like, all right, all right, all right. Uh, I'll move. He's like, I can't just, you know, give you the detonators cause you'll kill me. Uh, so he's like, I'm going to move the detonators and then I'll call you and tell you where to find them after I've like retreated to a safe place. And they're like, okay, you've got, you know, five minutes. He's like, no, 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 I need more time than that. Right. You got 10 minutes. He's like, I need a half hour. <laughs> and they agree <laughs> to that. Um, so he runs up to the 40th floor. Um, and all of a sudden somebody gets a drop on him. Oh, uh, you know, he hears like, you know, hands up or whatever behind him. And it's a little blonde girl. Uh, he, he says girl, but it's like, you know, 23 year old. Um, she makes him drop his gun. Uh, are you 23? Is that just a Tom Reynolds estimate? No, I think he says that. And, and it seems like all these, he refers to like all of them as kids. He says Gruber's about 30, but it seems like all of his like henchmen with him are in their early twenties. Cause the guy whose neck he snapped, he said, he thought was like 25 because he was upset because it was, you know, such a young guy. Um, but she, you know, she makes him drop his gun and then she's like, all right, where are the detonators? He's like, they're up on the roof. Um, and she's like, you know, you destroyed this building when you, people are really like mad at him for, and earlier he's like trying to figure out, he's like, I wonder how much a building like this costs $20 million. I don't know. This is a very expensive building that I've effectively destroyed. Um, I mean, it's not his fault. I mean, it is his fault. He He didn't, he he didn't put the explosives there though. Like he didn't bring the explosives. Yeah, but he dropped him down the elevator shaft. (laughs) Yeah. And that, and that's the thing, like, the captain is basically like, you know, that was like an overreaction. You perhaps, well, and the thing is, too, he's basically like, oh, this captain would rather I died than this building get damaged. The politics of this book are, are like a little hard to put your finger on, but there is a lot to it that's like, 
about the idea that people uh, value property over human life hmm. and how upset that that makes him. And that's like his whole reason why he like doesn't want the SWAT team or anything to come in because he's like, oh, they're going to their goal is going to be to kill the terrorists, not to save the people here. Um. So anyway, uh, the woman, you know, he's like leading her where he says the detonators are. Um, and then he says to her, the, uh, he leads her to where he claims they are up on the roof. And he says, the detonators are on the other side of this box, Ursula. Because uh, she's German. She goes, what? That's not my name. And as she says that, he turns and lunges at her. Uh, she gets off a shot in his thigh. So shoots him in the thigh. Mm-hmm. And now they're like, you know, uh, fighting, wrestling. She gets his thumb in her mouth and bites it and is trying to kick her in the groin. Um, he like takes her head and slams it into the concrete, which gets her to stop biting his thumb. And then uh, uh, he gets up and shoots her in the eye. Uh, and then he shoots her like three more times because he's just like mad. And then he's like, uh, you know what? I should probably take your body and throw it over the ledge like the other one. But then he passes out from the blood, from the blood loss, from being shot. But he thinks a lot about how like the the woman he killed before, he really had like trouble. And now he had less trouble and like what this situation is doing to him. He's not happy about, you know, he had no choice. Like it was life or it was him or her. But right. he was cold about it and then also like mad about it in the end, like shot her after she was already dead and wanted to throw her body over. And he kind of has to like stop himself and be like, you're you're this isn't the way to be. This is going to get you killed if you're like this, uh, like bloodthirsty or whatever. And also like, you know, not good for a human being. Right. Boy, this guy's really uh, taking a philosophical look at this yeah. situation well, as he's in it. Uh, and then he thinks that, you know, it's getting late and, and he's on East Coast time. And he's thinking about how the Germans have amphetamines and maybe Ellis's cocaine. And he's like, oh, they got the leg up. Because he had already, I think by this point, he's already eaten two of the candy bars. He just has the Mars bars left that he, that he had kept for last. Um uh, he talks to Hollenbach again. Hollenbach tells him it's disgusting that he's killed three women. And he tells him to stop being so old fashioned. Yeah, that's very funny. <laughs> yeah. Um, 4.53 a.m. Um, he's thinking about like all the situations he's been in. And this is an interesting one, Tim. Do you know who this guy, uh, uh, Joe Leland, is? He's thinking about like all the like councils he's been on and like, you know, terrorist advisory boards. Like that's how he knows about Gruber because Wait, he's terrorist like terrorist advisory boards, not advising terrorists, uh, anti-terrorist advisory uh, boards, I guess. Okay. Like he's mm -hmm. been brought in as a consultant on a lot of things because of his history as a World War II fighter pilot and as a detective. Um he was the one who advised national retailers to force manufacturers of small items like pens to mount them on cards too big for people to slip into their pockets. 
cool. And he thinks about how that's the one thing that he's responsible for that he never tells anyone <laughs> because people hate it. <laughs> and he's like, but the truth is, like, retailers were getting too much shit stolen, too much small shit stolen. And this was what, like, stopped that. So, you know what? Mm. It saves stores. Um, but then he thinks about, like, he, he's mad at the cops downstairs. And he thinks about, uh, um, you know, the building itself and, like, how mad they are. They destroyed the building. And he thinks of the building as, quote, glorifying a bunch of oil, oil pirates with a ra- impressive raised plaza rather than providing a few trees and benches where people could sit and talk to each other. And he's he's thinking a lot about how like people are distanced from each other and like people are selfish now and there isn't like any kind of collective or sense of community. Um, and now the the TV networks have shown up uh, at the at the uh, the place they're broadcasting live. They're also he finds out later uh, broadcasting his uh, uh, the police channel and it made me think about how like. I forgot, like, L.A.'s crazy with their local news. Mm-hmm. Like, the way it's like, oh, there's a car chase? We're going to cover it live. <laughs> like, we're going to interrupt television to show you this car chase that's happening live. That isn't, like, going to affect you. If you're watching this, you're at home. You're fine. Nah, but everybody's eventually going to get on the 405 that day. I guess, but, like, you know, in uh, that movie Nightcrawler, Mm-hmm. Like that's kind of about that. Like, yeah, that movie. I mean, Nightcrawler, that's exaggerated. Yeah, it's just like, yeah, I really like that movie. But then, like, thinking about it afterwards, I was like, man, this doesn't exist. <laughs> like this world that, yeah, you can go sell these things. Like they've never <laughs> shown stuff like that on TV. <laughs> um, but but this just reminded me because I'm like, why are you playing like the the broadcast? Why are you playing like the police scanner? Like, don't do that. But anyway. Um, uh, uh, he tells him like, oh, we got people on the phone for you. And one of them's Kathy Logan. And he tells him, uh, put Kathy Logan on Hambone. <laughs> uh, nice. I like the way he talks. And, uh, he, he talks about how, uh, like one of the women he kills said he was a dog and he's like, I'm not a dog. He's telling this to Kathy. He's like, she called me a trained dog. I'm not, a, I'm trained, but I'm not a dog. He said, these people have a habit of trying to deny your humanity. He's talking about, you know, post, post-World War II Germany. Mm-hmm. Uh, Al is like, look, uh, they're going to send helicopters in. Um, uh, and he's like, don't send helicopters in. They're going to shoot down those helicopters and like, they're going to kill the hostages. And I was like, look, you know, it's above my pay grade. And Al tells him he loves him, uh, hmm. which I was like, wow, that, that relationship evolved quickly. Um, uh, the, the guy he talked to before crane, uh, that like knew him. He's like, let me talk to crane. And he's like, uh, he can't talk right now and he realized like oh crane's dead if he can't talk right now because there have been shootouts this whole time at like the floor level Ah. um so now robinson the guy who's a dick the captain he's back in charge um but then a random guy breaks in on the uh frequency 
And it's just like a random dude with like a pirate radio station or whatever. That's cool. And he's like, like hey, Joe, uh, listen, they got the the whole garage rigged with explosives. They're not telling you about that. Um, And he's like, oh, all right. He's like, thanks. What's your name, man? He's like, me? Oh, I'm Taco Bill. (laughs) Taco Bill? Yeah. This this movie's awesome. (laughs) Well, it's a book, Tim. (laughs) And he says, uh, I, uh, I tell you why my name's Taco Bill, but there are kids listening (laughs) because it's all on TV. (laughs) Um, and then a reporter chimes in and, uh, you know, because somebody's broken down the frequency, he's like, Oh, there's, you know, the guy smiley with the K A P A X, um, uh, <laughs> Quick thinking, <Tom. laughs> there's a lot of uh, people on the East Coast uh, praying for you right now. He goes, get the hell off the channel. He's like, oh, I'm sorry. He goes, get the fuck off the channel. Like screams at the guy and the guy gets off the channel. Um, so now he's like figuring out the plan. These helicopters are coming. And basically he's like, all right, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to try and hold them off as long as I can. But when it gets too much. I'm going to uh, have this fire hose tied around me and I'm going to jump off the building and swing in through a window. But, you know, he's afraid of heights. He's 400 feet up and he's like, this is not going to work. Like it's going to come untied and I already know it's going to take like, you know, four full seconds before I hit the ground and die. Uh, so he's like not happy about this at all. But he's like, I've got no other choice. Like they're going to storm the roof. And I'm gonna, I don't have a way out. This is my only option. Um, and then also he thinks about how university kids in Germany cheered these terrorists on and how they weren't completely wrong for doing that. That like he understands why uh, they're cheering them on. Because uh, hmm. I guess it's like an anti-corporate terrorist group or whatever. Um and then he thinks about how Robinson, the captain, wants him to die because if he dies, then that invo- avoids like embarrassing questions for Robinson about how he handled this whole situation. Uh, and he says, uh, people like Robinson see everything that happened to them as opportunities for their own advancement and aggrandizement. Spoilers of society. He's like, these people are spoilers of society and Nixon is at the top. They're assholes. Because of them, society sank into ambiguity. You didn't know what to believe in anymore and whether there was and whether there was anything even left to believe in. So he's just like, you know, has this very dark view. Stuff in the 70s was cool. What year did this book come out? 1979. I mean, that's cool that like, you know, it was just, you know, what? Six years after uh, Nixon resigned or whatever. Yeah. Five, six years. Mm-hmm. And like everybody was just in agreement. Like, you know, that guy yeah. was an asshole. Like there guy... was nobody around in like polite society that was like, no, no, you got to bum Yeah, there weren't two sides to it. It was like everybody yeah. agreed that this guy's an asshole. And he's basically like, this guy's like Nixon. These people that don't give a flying shit about themselves or society as a whole they just want to advance themselves and fuck this guy. And um, that'll never happen again where, like, everybody's in agreement. Like, people like that are shitty. <laughs> like, now there's, yeah, like, like, 50% of the population is like, yeah, but they're actually good. They're actually, yeah. like, uh, no, badass and not it. a bunch of cucks. Yeah. Um, 
And uh, he hears like a bunch of car horns. He basically realized like a bunch of people have shown up to like watch this happen, which again, he's like, fuck all these people. Like why? Like he's just very upset about the way society is right now. Um, uh, yeah, 6.41 a.m. Final chapter for this week. Uh, he's um, uh, thinking to himself about how like, yep, they're just going to kill me in this building. They're going to kill the hostages because like nobody thinks about individuals like people are just numbers now. Individuals are unimportant and insignificant. He's just like real upset about this. And he's like, Taco Bell, he needs to give me 30 seconds and then I need you to create a distraction. He's like, yeah, you got it, pal. Um, Taco Bell uh, blasts Christmas music on channel 30. <laughs> and uh, Joe throws the radio like at the uh, by the door. And he's basically just like, look, this will give me a half a second of distraction when they come through the door that there's going to be like Christmas music blasting to the left. (laughs) And if they glance that way, that might be all the edge I need. Uh, The helicopters are flying by shooting now, uh, shooting at the rooftop. Joe can see the, the bad guys are looking through holes in the door. Uh, and, and Joe's also like shooting at them. Like, you know, they're like going back and forth, exchanging shots. Um, then all of a sudden, uh, uh, the door gets like kicked open. A guy comes out with a missile launcher, fires (laughs) it at a helicopter, helicopter explodes in a ball of flames. Uh, and Joe describes, uh, oh no, this is later. So now Joe is like, oh, shit, like what ha- what I thought happened would happen happened. I, all right, that's my cue. I got to get the fuck out of here. So he like jumps off the side of the building uh, screaming uh, tied to the um, uh, fire hose. Fire hose, yeah. And doesn't make it. He had he had shot the glass uh, from above to try and get through, but it didn't work like he didn't swing all the way so now he's just like freaking out because he's realizing like my swinging is eventually just gonna stop and then i'm just gonna be dangling five feet from the the building 400 feet up just a sitting duck so he's like de- he grabs like the side of the windowsill even though it's like broken glass and like barely pulls himself in uh, he says uh, uh, he has rage and fear filling with the heat of an orgasm. That's not necessary. And that he's swinging and crying while swinging on the rope. He finally gets inside and he realizes like, oh, my God, there's somebody else in here. But it's uh, uh, the dead body of the uh, rivers, one of the hostages that was killed earlier. Mm. And uh, so now he's just like crying and just like overwhelmed with emotion. He thought for sure he was going to die when he swung out. Uh, So he's like mad. He's like scream crying. Um, And uh, uh, the, the final line of the chapter, limping and stumbling, Leland made his way into the building one more time. And then that, that ends the chapter. Who's Leland? (laughs) The protagonist, the main guy. Him. The oh, main yeah, guy. yeah, okay, yeah. I don't know. We we haven't been saying his name. Joe a lot. Leland. 
So Jolie Lind. So yeah. uh you know, this is the last time he's going into the building. Uh, you know, the there's I believe only five of them left now, terrorists. Hmm. He's taken he's taken out uh seven of them at this point. So and that's also like when the cop the cops tell him like stand down and he's like, I killed seven of these twelve guys and like you don't understand. They have this place like a fortress. You are not gonna be able to get in here. Like there's not a way in. Every everything's covered. The only way in is gonna kill all these hostages. Uh, you know, you're either gonna blast your way in and and kill them yourselves or they'll start killing them if you if you actually even manage to like get past the lobby. How how many hostages are there? About thirty. Okay. That's a fancy cup you're 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 uh, drinking out of. Oh thank you. It's a, a copper mug. Yes, is it new? Yeah, it is new. It's uh <laughs> It's a birthday present, part of a birthday present I got for my girlfriend. Nice. I mean, your birthday was six months, seven not, months ago. No, my birth, not my birthday, her birthday that I got for her. Oh. But, but I get to use it, You're the too. first one using it. Okay. I'm not the first one, but I will be the last. Um, cool. So he's going back in the building. Um yeah. It seems like this book's maybe a little bit more fun to read than it is to hear a guy telling you about it. I'll tell you what. Uh, it's a good book. Like, I'm really enjoying reading it. Like, mm-hmm. it's very... Um, I still have problems with, and and this happened when he was, like, going over the edge with the rope. Like, a lot of explaining of, like, okay, this is three feet from this, which is two feet from this, it, that it's hard to wrap my head around. But when he's not explaining in elaborate detail, like the layout of things, <laughs> um, uh, it's very engrossing otherwise, like and a very good mix of like what's happening with him, not flashbacks, but like thinking about his life. And it's very organic because you think like, no, if you were in this kind of high pressure situation when there were lulls in the action. Yeah, you would think back about your life and like things yeah. you fucked up. Like he thinks about his, you know, dead ex-wife and like could I have made that work? Um and he's like, "No, I couldn't have, but like damn, I wish there was a way." Like that, you know, he's thinking about like his regrets and things like that. Uh but it's like weaved through in a very organic way, a very believable way. Like, he's not thinking about these things as he's, like, shooting people. As he's shooting people, he's, like, freaking out and, like, you know, uh, incredibly stressed. But then there are these lulls where he's just kind of like, well, I can't go down those stairs because they're covering those. So I'm just going to have to wait up here until I can, like, figure out a way to distract them. And while I'm waiting for hours, like, so tired... I'm thinking about my life. Poignant. Yeah. I'm I'm honestly surprised that this isn't a more well-known book considering uh uh how how good I think it is at this point. Well, maybe it really beefs it in the last quarter. Maybe it does. We'll see, but uh 
I don't know, especially the fact that it's based on, you know, there that such a famous movie is based on it. I'm shocked that this isn't like a standard in the like thriller book genre. I feel like thriller books don't last long. Well, I that's guess. what we talked about last week that, yeah, they're kind of disposable. There's so many of them and like people read them voraciously. It's not it's not necessarily they're, they're disposable. That's not like a knock on the the mm. the uh the work itself it's just they burn like, brightly yeah and it's just like yeah people always want new ones i guess a lot like our show tim you know yes our show's disposable of... because it burns so brightly all right tom <laughs> you, i feel like you've just been talking nonstop for three hours look it's an exciting book <laughs> All right. Well, well you um, didn't read the book. You've got nothing to say about it. I got nothing to say about it. I'm sorry. I tried to talk about bathtubs in, a, in an office building, and, and you shot me down. I didn't. We went over it. There's nothing left to say. We should have talked about it. And I looked up Reginaldville Johnson's house, and I think I have the wrong address, because it doesn't look that nice. <laughs> well, don't look up his house. What? What are you going to well, do with that information? Wouldn't, wouldn't you be intrigued? Uh, to see what Reg- what kind of house Reginald Sure, but in. I don't want to like look into it. I I'm not that you, interested. You were yammering on about fucking some book you read. <laughs> I'm just trying to figure out where a real man lives. It's fine. It's not for any like nefarious purposes. I just want to shake his hand one day. <laughs> All right. Well, make sure you have his permission before you do yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want. Right, I well, want to see for... a video of you online forcing a man's hand into yours. <laughs> shake it. You have to shake it. Just shake it. He would. He would gladly. If I said, "Hey, original big fan," he would say, "Hey, thank you, my brother," and he would uh, shake my hand. Yeah, but then he would say, "Hey, uh, don't juice me. Don't juice my fruit, my friend." That, oh, God damn! I forgot the whole phrase. Yeah, don't juice my fruit. All right. Uh, thanks for being uh, patrons, everybody. Uh, we love you very much. We'll see you next week for the thrilling conclusion of Nothing Lasts Forever. Yeah. As told by Tom Reynolds. Hey, I'll tell you what. Next week, you'll learn the meaning of Nothing Lasts Forever because it'll be the last part. Goodbye. <laughs>